Hey, welcome back, everybody. We are today going to talk a little bit about some stuff that uh, keeps coming up, and that's sleep. How do I get to sleep? How do I sleep better? How do I have restorative sleep? How do I wake up feeling refreshed? How come I can't go to sleep? How come I wake up in the middle of the night? My legs hurt in the middle of the night, and it wakes me up. My pain gets me up. I think I get it all, but the the point is, what can we do about it? And, um, you know, as this is an informational show. It's not, it's not medical advice. You've got to get that from a qualified professional. You know, I, I, I like to look around, and I like to see what people are doing. And there's a lot of self-medication going on. That's fine if it's done under the supervision of those that know and the people that you trust, your healthcare professional, that's qualified. And we learned that quickly in my world of anesthesia uh, when we would take people to uh, the operating room and what? They're bleeding a lot. And we learned that some of these over-the-counter herbs were not helping us out. So that's why you get asked those questions if you have surgery. Are you on St. John's Word? Are you on this or are you on that? And it also interferes sometimes with how drugs are metabolized because it's competitive at the liver. So the point being this, what's out there and what are people taking and what can I do to say uh, to you, hey, there's also this. Well, I can say that. I can say that, well, I know what people are taking. That's melatonin. This week, the FDA Oversight Committee uh, released an article on melatonin supplements, and he found that even though they're, quote, um, <sighs> tested, and when you buy it and you look on the side of the bottle and it says blah, 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 whatever it says, uh, th- that might not be what you're getting, and they vary widely in actual dosage. So that was... Uh, that was a pretty interesting study. Um, some were three times more powerful than were on the bottle. And so it again brings up the big question, and it's a big question mark. How much is the government going to get involved in this? Because there may need to be more oversight. So um, in the Journal of the American Medical Association, good journal, it's had its hiccups, it's had its bumps in the road, haven't we all? Uh, a study published just recently, and I mean, with the last uh, couple of uh, weeks, these melatonin gummies um, are working because they might have a lot more in it than uh, necessarily thought. Now, melatonin is is a pretty natural way to go to sleep. And, you know, when these dietary supplements, as they are called, uh, become uh, available, and they're in the retail stores. And, you know, you can go on Amazon, you can go on Walmart, wherever you want to go. There may be anywhere 10 20 30% more than advertised. They mentioned in the study 10% more. Um, but my experience with CBD is unless it's an independent lab that has real good history, uh, and is qualified with these high-end analyzers, and they're expensive. They are way expensive. Um, you got to be careful with what you're taking. Be careful what you put in your mouth. I cannot tell you as a physician how many times I go into a room, well, what are you taking? 
well, that's a green pill. It's a little green pill. Well, <laughs> help me out. That doesn't help because there are generics, there are on brand, uh, there are uh, all sorts of different formulation. They're long, they're short, they're round, they look like footballs, whatever they are, big, little, they can be the same thing. But we need to know what you're taking. More importantly, you're the consumer, you need to know what you put in your mouth. So um, the Food and Drug Administration does not analyze or review supplements before they hit the market. Now, prescription drugs, they do. They are way good on prescription drugs. And, you know, they've had some um, controversy with the COVID thing, but that's not what the FDA is. The FDA is an incredibly good organization, Food and Drug Administration uh, in the U.S., and they make information pretty transparent, and the world can look at it. That's neat. Um, so for me, I feel good when the FDA approves a med because I know the rigorous analysis that it's been through. And it is rigorous. It can be years. Uh, they go through uh, different phases of trials and beyond the discussion of a podcast is what each phase does. But by the time that drug gets to you, and by the time that drug is mainstream and is marketed, it could be a billion dollars. Uh, it doesn't always come out that way, and sometimes it's fast-tracked. Look at the Operation Warp Speed with COVID uh, vaccines. But we needed it. Um, there were some side effects that some people had, but the risk-reward benefit was way in our favor. And thank God that agency, the FDA, came to bear. They're a good organization. They did a great job under intense stress. So, you know, they never have enough money. They never do. They never have enough legal scrutiny. They never do. But they do the best they can um, to regulate this kind of weakly regulated um, uh, nutraceutical and uh, this uh, dietary uh, food uh, product uh, that comes out. And uh, sometimes they too do put the brakes on things. Okay. So melatonin, let's get back there. Uh, they, these industry suppliers can really put out pretty much anything they want because they, they know there's probably either no consequences or no scrutiny. So we never necessarily get it when we're putting something in our mouth. We don't know. Uh, yeah, it might be pretty good, but it might be very potent. It might be very weak. And so dietary supplements, as they are marketed, uh, have a responsibility by the maker to make sure they're what they say they are uh, before they hit the shelves. There can be adverse effects. I also heard a physician on a uh, well-listened to talk show uh, and a very respected physician from a New York University, full professor, has... Um, excellent credentials, he commented that melatonin is safe in children. It probably is. But you got to know what you're giving that child. Um, 
because there has been a significant increase in poison control calls. Um, and that's a big alarm with melatonin. Uh, and it can have adverse effects in children. So talk it over qualified health care professional. Now, as anything in Washington goes, there is lobbying. If you don't know what lobbying is in Washington, there's uh, a group usually uh, formulated with the nidus of being either a, an, a law firm or a specific cultured organization that has very good people with, that are very well connected. And they are I've I've worked with lobbyists before. They're very they're very good. We have to have ways to communicate with our uh, legislators and our folks uh, in uh, Washington to make change. And that's what lobbyists do, and they do it with good intent and tact. Uh, a vast majority of the time, and you know there are moments, but. The point is, um, some of these supplements do get heavily lobbied or get uh, utilized um, in a care setting that they probably shouldn't have ended up in. Um, does that have anything to do with lobbying by manufacturers? I don't know. Um, but you want to know that Whatever you're putting in your mouth, it contains 100% of the, of the ingredients. You want to know the expiration date. You want to know how to start it, how to come off it, and you're getting what's on the label. 100%. 100%. That's uh, from uh, Steve uh, Mister, M-I-S-T-E-R. He's the CEO of the Council for uh, Responsible Nutrition. So it, it comes down to quality, right? A 2017 study cited by this paper uh, that came out in JAMA um, said that melatonin supplements sold in Canada, Canada were unreliable. Um, several products uh, uh, contair, uh, contained undeclared amounts of serotonin. If you don't know what serotonin is, it's... Uh, what goes into your brain and can affect certain receptors, and, and it can affect mood. Um, you've heard of serotonin reuptake inhibitors that I've had in podcasts. Uh, and um, so they these, these drugs can be adulterated. Um, um, some had no melatonin in, in them, and some had 300% of the advertised uh, amount. And the quote here is, there's absolutely nothing in this study that should alarm consumers. Um, I don't know. Yet you're the consumer. You decide. Um, increasingly popular sleep aid, it is everywhere. It quadrupled from 1999, and it's going up, up, up. It tripled from 2005 to 18. Um, and there's not a lot of, of information for consumers to just jump on. You know, Dr. Google's out. Everybody goes to Google. And um, topic for another day, I had my first few forays in um, AI, uh, artificial intelligence in the medical world. It's kind of scary, but you don't know what it's saying all the time. Now, the recommendations through Health Canada... Canadians 
um, study organization, 10 milligrams per day. That's what they said. Um, so some of these products go way over that. And you've got you to know what you're taking so it's safe. Um, you don't have enough data to know what is safe. And there's pretty much increasing evidence that um, there's going to be increased um, calls to poison control centers. They're way up uh, in adults, too, from uh, 530% from 2012 to 2021. Uh, and um, this fellow named Cohen said extra high potency products uh, are responsible probably for those calls. Um, 50, 50% more melatonin could be the difference between what a child needs, quote unquote, and a trip to the ER. That's that's our take home there. Now, as a side, uh, there is um, uh, this opinion uh, that children should not take this, and it's not meant for kids. Um, and there are disclaimer in some products, uh, uh, and you're going to see through Amazon and other. Uh, product carriers, different marketing. So be a consumer and be uh, very uh, careful on how you are marketed. I guess as any parent, you always want your kid to go to sleep, but this may not be the uh, uh, pathway forward. Um, Recommendations from about everybody is talk to your doctor first. All right. The next study I, I want to talk about briefly is uh, on neuropathic pain. So it's not here yet. It's, I usually don't like talking about drugs that aren't here because it's it's frustrating to people. Well, what good is it going to do me now? I really need it. But you need to hear that the light at the end of the tunnel isn't always a truck. There's this uh, new first-in-class or novel uh, agent that's coming out that's associated with what's called a kinase, K-I-N-A-S-E, receptor. That's receptor one. Um, it's being worked on by Bristol-Myers Squibb. Uh, it's in early phases. It's called phase two, and it's you know going beyond uh, testing in the lab, to animals, to humans, et cetera, and then you get to phase four, and it's getting real close, ready to go. It showed that if you take something called an alpha-2 adrenergic receptor uh, and you inhibit it, that's a receptor that is important for so many things, including blood pressure, by the way. Um, It prevented uh, this um, uh, signaling from uh, this uh, kinase, which seems to have an effect on pain. And um, alpha-2 adrenergic signaling is a known anti-nociceptive way of dealing with neuropathic pain. Anti-nociceptive, a nociceptor is normal if it hurts. That means it's a nerve or whatever. It's not important with this conversation, but... 
if something is interfering with how something causes pain and it's doing it in a new way, it's got some real hope. I did a, on a different platform over the past couple of weeks, uh, a little bit of a dive into gabapentinoids. That's the common one right now for neuropathic pain. Gabapentinoids are brand name Neurontin, um, the, the long-acting ones uh, for gabapentin or Neurontin uh, are uh, there. And um, there's also the Lyrica, which is another gabapentin, which is a pregabalin. Uh, these are used to get about, you know, I, my experience is anywhere 50 to 70% reduction in pain, and they certainly have less baggage than tricyclic antidepressants on the go-to-sleep type sedation stuff, the fuzzy impairment that people get. But gabapentinoids have their moments. And if you talk to folks across the board, there's quite a few that just can't take it. Gabapentinoids are now felt to be potentially habit-forming. They have some withdrawal effects, according to some people, et cetera, et cetera. I've given millions, probably, of doses of gabapentin. I don't know how many I've given, but I've given a lot over my career. I was an early adopter. And... um I've had moments, but I can tell you the risk award benefit in proper uh, healthcare professionals' uh, hands is way in the patient's favor. It's a really good class of drugs, gabapentinoids. But this one may have less side effects. I talked about what it does to blood pressure real briefly. What we have is this drug called clonidine, and it does help with pain some. Um, And what it does is it's an alpha-2 agonist or receptor agonist. And clonidine originally developed for blood pressure. That's how a lot of these drugs come their way. We found it also blunts uh, a lot of the sympathetic response to withdrawal, so it's helpful there. And it, uh, it helps with blood pressure, too, because it has effects on sympathetics. So, you know, it, it, we're looking at uh, coming down with some pretty good options for relief, and particularly with those that suffer from diabetes and the elderly population. We need uh, We need to move forward, and... Type 1 and type 2 diabetes, uh, there's a pretty high insulin incidence of uh, neuropathy, especially uh, in those with obesity body mass index that's somewhere around 20 and up, and hemoglobin A1c, that marker for blood sugar that's more than 11%. And that's what they use uh, in this article as descriptors. Anyway, the um, uh, numerical uh, rating scale, 12345678910.com. Go there, and that gives you some quantitative assessment. Go to paininformation.com, talk about this stuff, uh, and there's lots of podcasts. Uh, I have some on neuropathic pain.
And I have a, a, a course that goes pretty deep into neurophysiology. But, you know, you, you see it a couple of times, you kind of get the hiccup. You understand how we, we think sometimes. Um, you can take a look at that as well as a uh, self-report or a patient uh, questionnaire aid that you can download if you want. So those are helpful. Um, so this new, this new anti-nociceptive or uh, this drug for neuropathic pain has promise. Not here yet, but just so you know that, you know, it's coming. How long? I don't know. It depends on how the study goes. But from phase two to getting it out there, you know, stay tuned. It might be um, a couple of years. Now, okay, and an aside, and just so you know, when people start talking about neuropathic pain, they talk about the NMDA receptor or N-methyl D-aspartate receptor. And they start talking about other meds to block that, um, and methadone may have a, a mild effect. Demerol used to. I used to love Demerol, but it's off the market. Um, and, uh, local anesthetics help with neuropathic pain, you know, topicals and that sort of thing. Think about dextromethorphan, a little bit of that, just, you know, uh, it blocks the NMDA receptor too. I've used it. Don't use too much and do it only when somebody says in the healthcare field that it's okay to use because it has drug interactions. And if you use too much of that stuff, uh, you, you know, the robitussin stuff, you can get, you can get pretty sick or get pretty high. It's an abused drug. So just a little aside there, just so you know, um, anyway, uh, come back, say hi. I've got on uh, paininformation.com a way to communicate with me. And I read all the emails. Of course, I can't give you medical advice, but I read everything and kind of get an idea of which direction I should go. And these are the questions I was asked. What do I do for neuropathic pain? What's out there? Um, what about sleep? What about all this stuff on melatonin that's out there? Apparently, it's uh, getting in the media. More to come. I'll talk to you soon, and you can check it out uh, at Pain Information. And I put also some information. Uh, it's a little. It's a little old. Only a couple of years on my YouTube channel, and uh, that is actually pretty good on gabapentinoids, uh, gabapentin-like, and I have some more uh, YouTubes coming out. I look forward to talk to you again, and thank you. Come by, see me soon.